So the story I want to start off today with is the prodigal son, Luke 15. And we'll start. We're going to read through all the way through to 31. Yeah? Cool. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes come home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. How this particular parable goes about is we say there are three themes and three characters. Which one are you? I want to be a little bit different today. Here we read of the inheritance the son has given up. And there's lots of nuggets around the story that we can take with this particular parable. The one I want to concentrate on is him walking out on what is clearly surrounding him. Not making use of what was right under his nose all along. And that thing was family. I've got a side note here. For those that identify with the second son, 
I want to mention the words entitlement to you. Complacency. You see, being in a family doesn't mean you're on right standing with God. It can also make you complacent if your heart is not in the right place. If you are not giving yourself for the right reasons. Compelled versus conviction. There's a difference. We clearly see the younger son giving himself to this family. And it was only realized when the older son came back and he didn't receive what he believed he deserved. The truth is, the gift was always his, where you have been added. And the older son, the gift was always his too. His father confirmed it. They both just weren't looking at it in the right way. Really feeling this as a series, Johan's going to be taking notes because he's going to be expounding on them, as will Rob. Where you have been added the importance. How to hold on to this family and to realize what you have right here under your noses. And the first talk today, here in Durbanville PM, welcome Sakili, is around family and what church family should be. I'm going to recap on some of those things. A remember moment, a reminder. I don't know if many of you re remember, but the, f the first word that I brought to Durbanville PM was around family. I think there was a lot in the air that night, so I thought it would be good that we'd remind each other tonight. I truly believe that God had added me to family to save me. Initially my own, and then he added me to his family, his bride. I realized we needed much family around us. It's almost as if I saw in a moment the church family was a picture of the bride. And we see that in scripture. That God wanted to reveal his plan for us through church family. And where else can you safely incubate the gifts that he gives us? Test them. Have your own safe space. Test and weigh each conversation. Measure emotion. Give vulnerability a tryout and feel grace wash over you. This for me and most of us is where we find ourselves today at Josh Chen Church. And you guys at New Vision AOG for Santa Kral. Today I wanted to remind us you and I cannot demonstrate the fruits we can't demonstrate love, joy, peace, or patience, or kindness, sitting by ourselves on an island. No, we demonstrate it here. When the people we have committed to loving, sorry guys, but give us good reasons not to love them so much, but we do it anyway. Can you see it? Have you personally witnessed it here yet? 
that's right here in the midst of us as sinners, both you and me, who on a fateful day committed our lives to the Lord, but we also in that moment committed to a life to love one another. So that the good news, the entire gospel, could be shown off. It's here at church that we give. It's here at church we get to live it out with one another. Because when we give ourselves to one another and occasionally do wrong because of our sinful natures and then forgive each other for our transgressions, just as Jesus did, when we commit to one another as Jesus committed to us, and when we lay down our lives for one another, just as he laid down his life for us, Together, we get to display the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? And you just can't do that by yourselves. I mentioned on that first day, I like to think of our blood family as pretty tight. My surname, for those who don't know, is Yarp or Jap. And us Yarps love a big get-together. We the Japs or the Yarps are a loud bunch. Not, not me so much. My sisters are. We love life and laughter and enjoy eating food. Good food in each other's company. We stand tall together in tough times and we pull close when we see a need. And what we experience in family relationships not that different what we should be experiencing here in church. I have some points to put the family into church for you. Number one, we are joined together by something far greater than our personal preferences or circumstances. Amen? We don't get to choose our family. And similarly, we don't get to choose our church family. We are made God's children through the Holy Spirit the moment we are saved. Amen? Families are bound by blood, just as Christians are bound by the blood of Jesus. It may feel, point number two, it may feel we do not always get along. But that doesn't mean we walk away from the table or stop from having each other's backs. Brothers and sisters fight. I've got scars. We might even get mad at each other every now and again. But if my sisters get hurt by someone else, I get protective. This happens in church too. We are going to make mistakes. And we choose to love each other enough and hold each other accountable for our behavior. And that's the translation of having each other's backs in the church. Number three. You want to share? 
my brother. Okay. Just waiting for the headlock. Being part of this family, we get fed constantly, whether you're hungry or not. Every mom wants to make sure you've been fed. Whose mom wants to see a hungry child? Every time I go over to my mom's, it doesn't matter whether I've just eaten or not. She will always have something on the go in the kitchen. Always something to offer. Always making sure that I have enough. Another year, another pork belly for my birthday. This church family, both for Josh Jen and for you and for Santa Graal, wants to serve you in the same way. From prayer times, worship, community groups and our time together on Sundays, they're all beautiful opportunities to be spiritually fed and to grow in your relationship with Jesus. My saying, never say no to God. This includes his bride, us. Look around you. This crazy extended family. Say yes to serving. Say yes to leadership. Thank you. <laughs> Say yes to training. Say yes to your giving. And allow God to do what he does best. Will's got a, got a, not a side note in here, but a little star. Will's preach talks about finding your faith is about doing it God's way, not about doing God's job. <laughs> Just make a mental note of that. These couple of weeks been reminded, people's testimonies, I love them, have all been, if you have been taking notes, as a result of them giving themselves to this place. Josh Jen Dermville PM, this bride that God is building. There is a richness in us being together. I can't explain in one Bible story why it's so important. It's more of a coming into understanding. Once we start realizing and seeing the fruits of coming together and being part of something bigger than ourselves. Trusting that he has added us. This is something not of chance. And that's why we need to reframe our being added here. From one of being, it's cool. Or I've got friends here. This is a good one. It's young and vibey. I'm young. I'm vibey. To one of, I have a purpose. And this is the place God has added me to for this part of the journey. And we need to find it together. says talk about own experience and the journey that can be long being at another church 
been in a few churches. Um, let me rewind. I, before coming to Josh Jen, um, we had set our sights on living in a rural community, Philadelphia, just on, on the outskirts of Philadelphia. And we were going to do, what do you call it when you're lifestyle living? So you live in the farmlands on the weekend, and during the week you work in the city, make all the money. And we actually bought a house. Um, if you come into Philadelphia on the right-hand side, in the new side, there's a big house on the corner. We bought that house. The amazing, amazing, amazing. We didn't get to sleep one night in there. Um, long story short, God's providence and hand in everything. Um, my dad got cancer and got very sick. And he needed to stay with us. And he was in no place or shape to move to Philadelphia. And we needed to be close to medical care as well. So we very sneakily back then... Um, rejected every offer that was placed on our house. And if I tell you how difficult that is to do. So for argument's sake, the state agent said we can get 195, well, 1.95 million for our house. And our last offer was 1.85 million. And we said, no, the state agent said we could get 1.95. That's what we're going to take. And the state agent was freaking out and going, that's the best offer you're ever going to get. You've got to take it. And we had to let go through. That's the process where, subject to the sale of our house, we were going to buy the other house. Anyway, all went through. And I had some convincing to do to my wife. A lot of convincing. Because I'd sold her the dream about going to Philadelphia and living the life. And... In my wife's wisdom, she said to me, didn't fight me. She said, if we're going to do this, then we're going to become the suburb that we're in. Going to get a library card. Kids are going to go to the suburban school where we are. We're going to find a suburban church down the road, and we're going to belong to the community. Little did I know God's hand in it all. That we landed up being best friends with Mike and A.D. Doefei, who lead Wellington TMT. They were the lead elders at Edgemead. They just moved from Oatsford, and we actually moved, helped them move into their house. And little did I know, God was working through Mike, saying, this is a guy you need to win for the kingdom. And Mike, I was a smoker and a drinker, would... Allow, invite me to bry, allow me to smoke, give me beers, and the rest is history. And we were one into the kingdom. We had an amazing teacher at our disposal um, in Mike, but it was built through relationship. It was absolutely amazing. So we very soon found ourselves being added to Josh Jen. And because of the background and, and really trying to own where you've been added, we landed in this rich field with many 
good things happening to us. Some not so lacquer moments, but as we were tested and we gave ourselves, and as much as we gave ourselves, we started hearing God more in our lives. More of his plans revealed to us. Started in kids' church, got into family ministries, prayer groups, outreaches, some of our biggest moments. That's where we first met Andre and come in. Who would have known? Eh? Who would have known? But never did we ever move forward from a position of lying down. And this is where my saying I use so often. Saying no to the things of God. We've got to stop that. From one church to another to Josh Jen, And then the difference of knowing that God had added us. We knew we had to commit totally to giving ourselves to this place. I need to change the picture a little bit to a farmer in the field. Sorry, before I go on, do you know how much I've given myself to this place? Anybody notice my fellies? Can I really impress you? Where's Peter? Just so for Kila and you guys know, I'm from Durban, Itegweni. I don't speak any Afrikaans really. I'm not Afrikaans. I'm more Zulu than Afrikaans. So back to another point of view, a farmer that owns a piece of land. I like to speak in pictures sometimes. So a farmer that owns a piece of land walks the land. Who's a farmer here? Where's George? Where's George? Uh, Altus. Okay. So you just say yes. Truth. Okay. A farmer that owns a piece of land walks his land. Truth. He knows the length. The breadth. And the depth of richness of the soil where he is planting for a harvest. Truth. And we need to do the same here. We need to find out what is the length, breadth of the field here at Joshua Generation as individuals. I have a saying, another one. The door of opportunity does not open at the foot of your bed. 
back to our farmer, Yapi. A farmer does not fall asleep with his new land and then wake up one morning in bed to an email or SMS saying that his harvest went well and there's a bank deposit for the harvest in his account. He walks his land. He works his land. He owns the land. He becomes part of the land in order for him to realize the true value of it. And we need to do the same here. The land we are talking about has fences. It has boundaries. Both to protect against, but also to guard within. Things like capacity. It keeps the livestock and the workers and the farm family safe. I have a note here. I'm not going to go down that rabbit trail. Cows grazing in bad pastures. I know a story about cows grazing on clover and having to be stabbed to release the gases, etc., etc. But here I've got a referral to Andrew's Training Timothy Talks. I will put a link on the communities for you guys to go and watch. He does an amazing talk around fields, apostolic fields. But there's also apostolic warnings in there that only Andrew does so well. Even Andrew is cautious about what he watches because he doubts whether he knows how to spit out every bone. You've got to watch it to understand. But I wanted us to be careful what you are watching, what you are reading, and listening to, yes, even worship. It's all stuff that you are bringing into the family. I've got a note, irrigation. The farm has a certain capacity. Tools, equipment, and farm hands that can work a certain amount of land within a certain amount of time. And yes, capacity grows. And then we move fences or buy adjacent land. And then we are able to send workers out. But healthy workers, well-equipped workers, that are able to work the new ground successfully, just like the successes here. I don't want to be somebody that holds on to you tighter than I need to. But God does show me that each of you are a unique gift. Perhaps it's here. Perhaps it's for life. Perhaps it's a gift somewhere else. Will we? I do know and want to make sure we deliver healthy people into the field. We want to make sure as workers you are safe. Careful provided for, and equipped. So Andrew recently I mentioned in Timothy training time around the apostolic and fields, and the one he's been given here at Joshua Generation, and the grace around that. He also talks about 412, and your church falls into the same field. And there's grace here. You need to know that God has added you. 
that you fall under. There's grace coming here together on a Sunday. Coming together on a Wednesday is an anointing. When we come here, God through His people, through the Word, through the sermon, through the Holy Spirit landing and touching down, God does a work in us together. And we all work towards a whiter bride and more of His glory gets revealed. So when you believe you've been added, you walk through that door. Well, hopefully it starts early on a Sunday morning. And this is the note section. Possibility? You have to believe there's a possibility that God is going to do something in you when we meet. Number two? If it is a possibility that God's going to do something when we meet, it creates an expectation. Not an entitlement, just an expectation. And where we have possibility and expectation, Holy Spirit has an environment in which it can work. Then we see the hallelujah moments. Amen? Another sidetrack. We won't go there, but maybe somebody will. On cults and other things. Scripture doesn't talk of people belonging to only one group. Even doesn't speak of denominations. But I don't believe it's rocket science what it means to belong to a family. Many of you are estranged or separated not having an ideal relationship with your blood family and are now clinging to the church family. The difference being that it is Christ that unites us here. And we know, read, where there's unity, God commands a blessing. Not money, not prosperity, but family. Being a one mind, one heart, and one spirit. Philippians 2, verse 2 to 5. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being a one spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility... Consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Being of one mind, one heart, and one spirit means we are all in alignment. God doesn't call us all to be identical. He calls us to be unified. That means as each one in their unique position, unique gifting, and unique character set, 
we all bring something of a beautiful adornment to the bride. Each one part of the vine, each one part of the body. 1 Corinthians 12. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. And we are all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. And in the ear, if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not be, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body every one of them just as he wanted them to be if they were all one part where would the body be as it is there are many parts but one body it stopped there each one that God has a plan for this is a bride he is building one bride with a single purpose unified Those of you who were lucky enough, fortunate enough, blessed enough, not lucky enough, to receive a, a Josh Jan mug from us a couple of years ago. We have a phrase we take from Matthew 10, verse 39, dying to live. So a reminder of not what we are called to, but how we are called. You see, everything that grows needs to die first. Farmer knows this well. A dead seed planted in the ground and then one plants, one waters and then God comes and makes growth. And this is how devotion begins. In a dying moment. Back to Philippians 2. You don't have to bring it up. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. I can never assume you are all aware of the call to devote yourselves to each other, to the building of the bride. I want to say, if you perhaps have not been part of this family, myself and this team are building with Christ at the center. If that's you and you feel you would like to make a greater step forward, a greater leap of faith. If you perhaps have not fallen behind the team, behind your leader, If that's you and you would feel like you 
need to make a greater commitment. Not to me, but to God and his family. Today's about family and him. If that is you, I would love us to stand together.